0: This weekend retreat by Father Christopher Goodwin, entitled Living on God's Word, was given at our Lady of Good Counsel Retreat House February twenty-eighth to march first, two thousand twenty. These and other recordings are available at our website, goodcouncilretreat.com. You know, there's uh one of these one of these uh, old Lenten hymns has a verse in it, something like um More sparing. Let our sleep and laughter be. That's what I'm still struggling with. (laughs) So, so I hope, I hope God's okay that, you know, I I, honestly, I I think, uh, I don't know. I'm a person who needs to make sure I get my sleep, (laughs) and uh, I think we can laugh. So, let's begin. Uh, with really entrusting all of this to the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who instructed the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, again, it's really good to be with you. Uh, Good to see a lot of familiar faces uh, from St. Teresa's and from some of my past assignments Um, For those who I may not have met or we don't know each other, uh, Father Chris Goodwin, um, I'm vicar for clergy for the Diocese of Lincoln, which means that um, I just you know I try to find ways to help uh, in our ministry to our priests and to uh, uh, to help. You know what it comes down to. I mean, in my exercise of vicar for clergy, um, you know, I've I've sort of discovered my life's motto, and it's. it's helping people, helping accompany people in uh, finding peace in their relationship with themselves, with God, and with one another. So what I'm discovering is that anything I can do as vicar for clergy, as part of the bishop or the archbishop's ministry to the clergy, is helping that happen through encounter, through helping them out in their ministry. Uh, this time of year we're, we're talking about... Um, you know, what what proposals we're going to give to Archbishop Lucas for uh, assignments for priests, things like that. So that's some of my work as vicar for clergy. But also I've been very blessed uh, since um, last June <clears throat> to be in residence at St. Teresa's Parish in Lincoln, where I assist with some of the parish ministry there and the sacraments, um, and really have been very blessed by uh, just the people there who... Who've, who've welcomed me a great deal. So that's a little bit about what I do these days uh, in my work as a priest. Um, but yeah, also uh, I'm called upon once in a while to give retreats. So a little bit of background from my perspective for this retreat. Uh, some time ago, Father Coulter was, um, you know, calling to to invite, to ask some of us to give retreats for this cycle. And um, uh, so he, he asked, you know, can you... Uh, can you give me a theme? Because you know, So I said, yeah, I'll give a retreat. I didn't really have any idea you know, l- you know, those many months ago what I was going to give the retreat about, but I thought, well, uh, I at least need to give him a theme or a title. So I looked to the readings for this weekend's Masses. Uh, I thought, okay, it's going to be the uh, first weekend of Lent. And I looked to this coming uh, tomorrow's Gospel reading for the first Sunday of Lent, and uh, noticed that it is the, um, the story of Jesus and his temptations, right? And when the tempter approached and said, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread, Jesus said in reply, it is written, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. So I thought, well, maybe we can... We can craft a theme for this retreat around that that central gospel um, reading that we 're going to be encountering, so that's that 's when I decided to title it "Living on the Word of god because there's there 's been this desire and this hunger in my heart for quite some time um, and it, and it kind of goes like this lord help me help me to really. Live more deeply on on your scriptures, on your word. So I saw I saw this um, citation that Jesus makes, which goes back to the Old Testament. I'm like, man, like I want to do that. I want to I want to really do what Jesus did. I want to live on God's word. You know, in the complexities of uh, of this of this job that that I've had for the last year and a half or, or whatnot uh, as vicar for clergy and you know just being a part of sorting out the many difficulties that we're encountering in the life of the church um part of it was you know I really I really want God's word to be able to enlighten me more cuz I know like I've met people who who look at a situation uh who look at a conflict who look at you know a situation in their work and who can who can summon God's word and God's word sheds immediate and direct light on how we sh- how we should be trying to address this situation like I want more of that. And I know that we all do. We want to we want to know how to live on the word of God. It, time time went on and you know uh, Father Coulter's like so you know, can you give me some, some more details about what the retreat's going to be so that I can start to advertise it? I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> so because, you know, I was preparing, you know, in my mind and kind of having different thoughts, but it's, there came a certain point where I was like, what did I get myself into? Like, because scripture... I've always felt that Scripture is probably probably lags behind in terms of my own expertise and knowledge. Um, you know, it wasn't a, it, it, you know I didn't specialize in Scripture in seminary. I've always felt that I had a pretty good grasp of philosophy and catechetics. You know, uh, pretty good grasp of the basics of the theology of our faith and an ability to convey that in ordinary teaching settings and things. But like, my goodness, I, I signed myself up to to teach about the Bible. <laughs> so, but it's good. I mean, because I mean, the thing of it is like, I don't I don't pretend to come here as a scripture scholar. I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to be a scripture scholar. You know, I don't have that academic understanding of scripture that people like Scott Hahn and the Augustine Institute people and all these people do. I mean, thank God we have those people because I can learn a lot from them just as we all can. But that's not what this retreat is about. It's not about me you know, giving you this academic uh, depth of understanding, how to like, go into every verse of Scripture and where does this come from historically and you know, what's, what does the Hebrew say in the Greek and all that. That's not what I'm here to do because that's not what I'm equipped to do. What I'm here to do is something that kind of, um, one of, one of the things that Pope Francis said sort of characterizes what I think I'm here to do. Pope Francis, in speaking to priests and pastors, a few different times has said that when you're a priest, when you're, when you're a spiritual leader of God's people, when you're a pastor, when you're in this kind of a role, he says sometimes you, you walk ahead, because you're on a journey together, right? We're on a journey together. Sometimes, as a priest, spiritual leader, pastor, you walk ahead of the flock to lead and to guide them. Sometimes you need to walk right in the midst of them in order to encourage them and accompany them. And then sometimes you need to walk behind them to make sure nobody lags too far behind. When it comes to me talking to you about the Bible, about the sacred scriptures, I think the place where I find myself is in and among you. Because I, like you, am someone who is wanting to let the scriptures permeate and soak my spiritual life more deeply. And I'm finding that happening. Even in preparing for this retreat, I'm finding that my relationship with the word of God is becoming more intimate. That, that the word of God is becoming more something that speaks to me on a daily basis as I'm going throughout my day. And so if if what I can do for you and with you in this short time that we have together is just help you and encourage you to experience more of that daily walk with the scriptures. To experience the word of God penetrating your heart and enlightening your ordinary lives in a little bit more regular way than great. I think, that's, I think that's a great goal for us to have. And especially to allow the scriptures to permeate our prayer life. I'm very grateful. I I just I said to Father Coulter, I, I'm happy if you would just pick the the recordings for our our meals. I'm very grateful that it, it looks like he picked a, a good one. in Father Scott Trainer, um, who is a seminary rector, I think he's a priest of the Archdiocese of Denver, because even some of the things that he shared with us this morning, as we're eating breakfast, I'm like, mm, that really dovetails very well. So, so you get two retreats. You get his and you get mine, and whichever one works better for you, go for it. <laughs> Here's the way that I'm thinking that I'm going to structure these four conferences because we have three today and we have one tomorrow. And I've, I've left pr- plenty of room for the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he, uh, he inspires an adjustment, and if he does, we'll adjust, but this is what I'm thinking now. This talk, this conference, is really going to lay the foundation about the Word of God and its importance in our daily lives and prayer. And I'm going to be drawing from a, uh, a short uh, letter that uh, an apostolic letter that Pope Francis released not too long ago that talks about the word of God. And, and then I'm, in the second part of the talk, I'm going to be focusing in on a particular gospel passage that we had several weeks ago in the liturgy. And I'm going to draw out from that passage uh, a certain way of thinking about Jesus' ministry to us through our encounter with his word. Later on in the second talk, I will talk about Lectio Divina as a very tried and, and true and proven way of praying with Scripture. In the third conference, I'm planning on taking you through a guided Lectio Divina so that we can actually practice that together. And maybe it can help give some incentive for you to to take up this practice on your own, or if you've done it before, or are you doing it now, just some encouragement to continue. And then, what, what I'm thinking we'll do in the last conference, which is tomorrow, is um, I will actually share with you kind of the fruits that I have gained from Alexio Divina that I've done on the passage that we'll be using together. And there will be a, just an invitation, a very gentle invitation and I think we'll probably do this in the library, if anyone wants to use that as an opportunity to express for the, for the good of the, of the community um, you know any, any fruits that you have gained from your Lectio Divina, any insights you've gained, you know, it can be an opportunity for sharing so that we can grow together as we see how the word of God speaks to one another. Um, and so that would be an, a, an opportunity for some interaction uh, before the close of the retreat. just going to begin with Matthew chapter 4 verse 23 which is it comes from the gospel reading for the third sunday in ordinary time a few weeks ago so i'm just going to quote it and we're going to go back to it in a little more depth towards the latter part of this talk he went around all of galilee teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and curing every disease and illness among the people this describes the ministry of jesus I also want to highlight um, this recent innovation which I mentioned by Pope Francis. He issued this apostolic letter in which he instituted something called the Sunday of the Word of God. Now, I don't know if any of you in your local parishes and communities um, really heard or talked much about this, um, but What Pope Francis has done, um, inspired by a lot of of feedback and and, um, ideas that he's received from the church, from people in the church, is beginning this past third Sunday of Ordinary Time, I think it was January 26th this year, and going forth into the future, on the third Sunday of Ordinary Time, it's going to be designated as the Sunday of the Word of God and the idea is that our holy father is inviting us as catholics well as i put it when i preached about it a month ago or so to be the bible christians that we are right to really to really more intentionally focus on this treasure that we have of the sacred scriptures and to invest our lives into them in such a way that our encounter with Jesus and with his other disciples can always be informed by that encounter that we want to have personally with the word of God. So there's the purpose of the Sunday of the word of God, as I see it and as I read it in this, in this letter that he issued, is this, to strengthen the position of the sacred scriptures within our, within our ordinary Christian lives. Also, to, to recognize that, quote, the relationship between the risen Lord, the community of believers, and sacred scripture is essential to our identity as Christians. This is something that really hit me. And it, it's a very basic thing, but it's something worth um, drawing our attention to. That our, our, our basic, our essential identity as Christians involves this three-way relationship the assembly of believers, that's, this is a good example of that, the 30 of us or so, whoever are here. We're an assembly of Christian believers. Obviously, our relationship with the risen Lord, who is with us in the Eucharistic presence in the tabernacle right now, that's the risen Jesus. But he's also with us in our hearts because of our baptism. But the third part of that is sacred scripture. There always needs to be that interaction. How are we as an assembly of believers interacting with the risen Lord through the sacred scriptures? How are we individually relating to the sacred scriptures? And how does our relationship, our personal relationship with the risen Lord, how is it enlightened by his word that we read? We've all heard St. Jerome in his famous quote, Ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. The other side of that coin is really good news because the more that we approach the scriptures with a desire to know God, the more we will come to know Christ. Sometimes that happens imperceptibly. Sometimes it happens in big aha moments. But no matter what, when we approach the scriptures with faith and with openness, we will know Christ more deeply. The sacred scriptures are an essential and, essential and central part of, quoting Pope Francis here, that constant dialogue between the Lord and his people. Here's a quotation that Pope Francis uh, included in this apostolic letter instituting the Sunday of the word of God. It's from uh, a gentleman by the name of St. Ephraim. He was a deacon uh, in what was then Considered Syria in the 300s. He's a doctor of the church. Beautiful quote, I think, from St. Ephraim. Who is able to understand, Lord, all the richness of even one of your words? There is more that eludes us than what we can understand. We are like the thirsty drinking from a fountain your word has as many aspects as the perspectives of those who study it. The Lord has colored his word with diverse beauties so that those who study it can contemplate what stirs them. He has hidden in his word all treasures so that each of us may find a richness in what he or she contemplates. If you'd like later, I can give the specific reference to that, but um, it's quoted in the apostolic letter of the Pope Francis of Pope Francis on the Sunday of the Word of God. There's so much in there that I think speaks right to to what we're about this weekend on this retreat. Because what this quotation illustrates is that sacred scripture has the power to speak personally to each of you and to me as an individual in a way that enlightens something about our own experience in life. God wants to use the writings of the Bible to shed light on our own personal lives, our questions, our struggles, and the particular things that, that we are trying to discern. This is not some you know, contemporary or, or modern way of thinking alone. This is a guy in the 300s, in the, in the antiquity of the church. But he, I think the way he speaks about Scripture speaks very much to our modern sensibilities. I want... A personal relationship, like Father Trainer talked about in the personal relationship with Jesus in his talk this morning that we listened to. I want a personal relationship with Jesus. And the great good news is that scripture can provide that. scripture can provide that personal dialogue with God. And so for this reason, while it's essential to our Catholic Christian faith to hear and proclaim God's word in the midst of the official liturgical assembly, such as with night prayer last night, morning prayer this morning, mass later this morning, all of these things, that's essential. And as Catholics, we do a great job of that because of the tradition that's been handed on to us, the liturgical tradition. While it's essential to listen and hear the word of God in that official liturgical assembly, It's also essential that we spend time reading and reflecting personally on God's Word. And again, that continues to be the challenge for me. I mean, I'm ordained a priest almost 16 years now, but I I have to continue to accept the challenge to take that extra time each day to be with God's Word in Scripture. One of the foundational documents of the church on Scripture uh, for for our modern day came from the Second Vatican Council, and it was the Dogmatic Constitution on Divine Revelation. The Latin title Dei Verbum means the Word of God. Let me just quote from uh, paragraph twenty-five of Dei Verbum. It says the Sacred Synod also earnestly and especially urges all the Christian faithful, so that's all of us, to learn by frequent reading of the divine Scriptures the excellent knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's quoting Philippians 3.8, the excellent knowledge of Jesus Christ. For ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ, quoting St. Jerome. Therefore, they, the Christian faithful, should gladly put themselves in touch with the sacred text itself, whether it be through the liturgy, rich in the divine word, or through devotional reading, or through instructions suitable for the purpose and other aids, which in our time with approval and active support of the shepherds of the church are commendably spread everywhere. In other words, there's a lot of aids out there. There's a lot of good books on scripture. There's a lot of good podcasts. There's a lot of good ways to help us to learn how to read and pray scripture. And then continuing this quote from Dave Erbam, and let them remember that prayer should accompany the reading of sacred scripture so that God and man may walk together. For we speak to him when we pray, we hear him when we read the divine saying. Another quotation from um, uh, a document by Pope Emeritus Benedict, which he issued back in 2010. And this one's called Verbum Domini, the word of the Lord. Quoting from paragraph six of Pope Benedict's document, the novelty of biblical revelation consists in the fact that God becomes known through the dialogue which He desires to have with us. This is something that, again, it was so it dovetails so well with what Father Trainer said in his uh, interview with Chris McGregor this morning that we listened to. God wants to talk to you. God wants to hear from you. God desires to have a dialogue with you. As a matter of fact, he wanted it first. He desired it first. He was the first one to initiate the relationship with you. Before you ever even had the idea of wanting to enter into dialogue with him. God, from the fullness of his love, this is quoting the Second Vatican Council document now, from the fullness of his love, addresses men and women as his friends and lives among them in order to invite and receive them into his own company. So it's something that should really encourage us with great expectation of what's going to happen as we continue to enter more deeply into our prayerful reading of the sacred scriptures. God, I mean, to, you know, to put it in human terms a little bit, it's like God can't wait. You know, God, God is so eager and desirous for us to encounter what he has for us. Okay, now let's talk about that that expression, the word of God. And um, to any of the St. Teresa's people who were at that um, at those Masses where I preached on the Sunday of the Word of God back in January. Uh, this is something I mentioned at that time as well. But it, it's worth pausing a bit to say, okay, how do, what, is this, the, what is this phrase, the Word of God? What does it mean? Because as Christians, we use the Word of God in multiple senses. First of all, the Word of God is the second person of the Most Blessed Trinity whom we most often refer to as the Son of God. In the prologue of the Gospel according to St. John, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word of God is eternal. He's a person who has no beginning and no end. And St. John goes goes on to write in the first chapter of his gospel, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This refers to the incarnation, the eternal word of God, present with the Father and the Holy Spirit, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, became flesh and took up his dwelling among us it's so important to remember that the word of God is first and foremost a divine person, that he's a person who desires to have a relationship with us, and that the fundamental way in which he enters into the relationship with us is by becoming human. By entering into communion with us in an absolutely real human way, he's able to take us back into communion with his heavenly father, so that we can then have an eternal relationship with God in his divinity. This is the marvel of the incarnation. God becomes one with us, so that then by, by being one with him, we can become one with God in his divinity. He comes down so he can lift us up. So the Word of God is the second person. The Trinity, Son of God, took on a human nature and became the anointed Savior, Jesus Christ. But precisely because God does desire to enter into relationship with us, us, because he does want a dialogue with us, he made sure to leave his Word with us in another specific way. Written down in human languages which were then collected by the church and gathered into what we know as the sacred scriptures, or the Bible. So while the first sense of that term, the word of God, is the person of the Son of God himself, whose human name is Jesus Christ, the second sense is in specific reference to the scriptures. And this is this is the sense in which I'll mostly be talking about the word of God during our time together. It's the scriptures that we're going to be our fo- our focus. But again, if our focus on the scriptures is to draw us closer to God, we always remember that in the Bible we're never encountering merely a written word, much less a dead letter, but more than that, a living person who is himself the word of God. And that's really what's grown as I've done the work of, of getting my hands around Scripture more and more, is that more and more I experience it as this, this is a living person that I'm, that I'm meeting in what looks like ink on paper. Because when it goes from being ink on paper to being something that, that enlightens my mind and enters into my heart, Ah, okay, now. Now I experience this as a living reality. So this is about prayer today and tomorrow. It's about letting the sacred scriptures be a privileged vehicle for our dialogue and personal communion with God. I'd like to... Bring out an additional note of encouragement for you because as I look at, at you, and I know, know many of you, I know that you are people devoted to the Eucharist. I mean, you can own that. You know, you are you are a Eucharistic devotee. You love Jesus present in his body and blood in the sacrament of the Eucharist. Notice the words etched into this pulpit and the altar and the tabernacle stand. I've always loved this piece of of this chapel. I've been coming here for a long time ever since I was in the seminary. So here it says the word. Because this is the place you know uh, where the where God's word is proclaimed in the form of sacred scriptures. And then on the face of the altar it says the word was made flesh. Because on that altar the eternal word that became flesh in Mary's womb becomes flesh once more sacramentally under the form of bread and wine to be our heavenly food. And then the words, and dwelt among us, are etched into the tabernacle stand to declare that the Eucharistic presence of Jesus continues to abide in this blessed sacrament that's reserved both for distribution to those who can't be present at Mass, and for our adoration during times outside the mass your heart is deeply moved by the eucharist i know this just as mine has been my encouragement to you is to take is that every step you take in drawing closer to god through your prayerful reading of his word in scripture is a step deeper into the mystery of his presence in the Eucharist. The reason for this is that the Christ who is present in the Eucharist is the same Christ who is present in the inspired word. In fact, and this is something that's come down to us through the the doctors, the teachers, the fathers of the church through history, our reverence of the sacred scriptures should be comparable to our reverence for the Blessed Sacrament insofar as the person whom we worship in both of these presences is God himself. Now, granted, I mean, we don't treat um, paper and ink, even when it happens to contain the Word of God, in precisely the same way that we we treat particles of the Eucharistic species, the host, the precious blood. Because in the Eucharist there's there's a presence of Christ which is which is a surpassing kind of presence. I mean, we can truly say we worship the Blessed Sacrament because the Blessed Sacrament is God Himself, it is Jesus Christ, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. But I still say, and the church still says to us, that, there, that there's a comparable reverence that we have for the word of God in sacred scripture. Because the, the person we're encountering when we read and hear and pray on the scriptures is the same person, the same living God. I could have given a, a warning at the start of this. This is probably going to be the longest talk. <laughs> I'm even at a point where it's like, hmm, Holy Spirit, what do you, th-? you know, should I should should I say this this last part? I I think I will and and I'll try to say it in a in a summary enough way as to not um discourage you <laughs> or or send you into a in into a mid-morning nap. <laughs> and if there's things that I need to to bring, you know, to bring back into play later. I'll do that. But I, I at least do want to fulfill my promise to touch on this on this Matthew 4, 12 to 23. So again, taking you back to uh, the gospel reading for this first ever Sunday of the Word of God, which is the third Sunday in Ordinary Time. And we actually have it in our missalets, if you care to, if you care to to see it with your own eyes it's on page 52 of the missalette i'm not going to read the whole thing so from matthew chapter 4 this is <clears throat> this is the narrative where john had been arrested and Jesus withdrew to Galilee, and he left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum. And then he went out, and he really began his public ministry, announcing that the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. You know, the proclamation of the kingdom, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But here's the part that I want to focus on. It's at the, at the very last paragraph... Where Matthew says, he went around all of Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness among the people. In some translations, the word curing is rendered healing. So, this is what it is. He went around Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and infirmity among the people. These three actions are typical of Jesus' ministry, teaching, preaching, and healing. And here's the thing. We know as we read the Gospels that that's what Jesus was always doing in his public ministry. It's said over and over again. "He, He taught them. He preached to them the kingdom. He healed them of their infirmities, including driving out evil spirits. He taught, he preached, he healed teaching, preaching, healing. It's just this refrain. But here's the thing. While that was typical of Jesus' ministry when he walked the earth, we don't have any reason to think that he stopped ministering in these ways when he ascended into heaven. On the contrary, that's precisely what we see happen in the ministry of the church, which goes forth in power by the Holy Spirit. The church, as we know, is Christ's continuing presence in this world. And the church in her ministry is doing the same things that Jesus did when he walked the earth. The church is teaching the truth about who God is and who we are in relation to God and what God desires for us. Secondly, the church is preaching the good news of the kingdom. That God wills to enter into your life to free you from sin and to give you a new life in and and with him. And thirdly, the church is healing. Through her sacraments, the Eucharist, anointing, baptism, you name it, but in other ways as well. So, if we were living in, Jesus, in the time of Jesus' public ministry, and like the crowds had heard of the things he was doing, we like them would have had the opportunity to be in one of those crowds. We would expect him to teach with authority to preach the message of the kingdom of God and to heal people. But if this is the expectation that people could rightly have when they encounter Jesus in his full, visible humanity, then ought not this be our expectation when we encounter Jesus in his living word in the sacred scriptures? So my invitation to you is to perhaps allow This to kind of inform the way that you approach the scriptures. If you're going to go and pray with the word of God. You can know this. Okay, Lord, I'm encountering you. And so like those crowds who encountered you when you walked this earth. I am looking for you to teach me. And or to preach to me and or to heal me in some way. We can expect these things to happen through our encounter with the sacred scriptures. To be taught, which is to say, to grow deeper in our knowledge and understanding of who God is, who we are in relation to him, and what his will is for our lives. That's what teaching is about, and it's a very good thing. It actually connects with those gifts of the Holy Spirit that we received in our confirmation, especially knowledge and understanding and wisdom. It's not just any ordinary knowledge. It's, it's, it's an abiding knowledge of who God is. It's a personal knowledge of who he is. Understanding is not just any normal human understanding, but it's a, it's a penetrating awareness of, of this God. And then wisdom is a great gift because it allows us to see with the eyes of God into the circumstances of our lives and of the world. This is the teaching that Scripture can provide for us. So what's the difference between that and preaching? Here's kind of how I am thinking of it. Teaching imparts to us the knowledge of God and the things concerning God. If, if If teaching is the dough, preaching is like The yeast, the leaven. Preaching gives gives new dimension to it. Teaching enters in first to our minds. Preaching goes to our hearts and opens up our hearts with the gladness of experiencing that I'm saved. Preaching is about proclamation. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, but also rejoice because the gospel is here. So our hearts are brought alive through our encounter with the scriptures. And yes, healing. Interior healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, physical healing. We can expect the sacred scriptures to impart healing to us. And even more and more of that over time. It reminds me of something that I heard Scott Hahn say, and maybe he was quoting somebody else, but he said, theology is therapy. Well, theology in its deepest sense is is the knowledge of God. And the more we know God, the more healing we experience because of our communion with him. So it's a great way to approach scripture, I think, on the basis of of that passage, to expect to be taught, to be preached to in our hearts, and to be healed. Now, the next step of that, which I wouldn't hasten to because we need to be nourished ourselves, but is to also know that once we've been filled with teaching and preaching and healing, we can then become more effective ambassadors for Christ because the teaching that we've been given, the preaching that has, that has taken effect in our hearts, and the healing that we have received through the sacred scriptures we can find ourselves then imparting to other people. You'll find yourself being able to teach others based on what you have been taught by God through his word. You'll find yourself being able to preach to others, that is to proclaim to them the good news of what it means to be saved in Christ and a member of his kingdom. And you'll even find yourself able to impart healing to people. Sometimes you'll do that in very conscious and explicit ways. But please also be encouraged in knowing that a lot of times you'll be doing that even when you're not aware of it. Because the teaching and the preaching and the healing will come forth from you. Because Jesus Christ is living in you according to the word that has instructed you. There's a lot there, and we'll continue to unpack parts of that as we uh, get into Lectio Divina. As far as my uh, preaching of the homilies during this retreat, because it is a retreat about the Word of God, I'm just going to be preaching my homilies the way I normally do. And the way I do it is I reflect on the Word, on the readings and the texts of the Mass, and I I ask God to, to fill my own heart and mind with some understanding of of what's in that, and then I do my best to share that with you and to impart that to you through the homily. So that's what the homilies are going to be. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.